This morning, uh, we get to conclude a series we've been on about uh, the one another passages, and we could go on and on with these. There are over 60 in the Bible, and these are passages that deal with our relationships with one another in the body of Christ, because as brothers and sisters, as believers in Christ, uh, the Bible says that we have His Spirit, and it's His Spirit that unites us, and so we are brothers and sisters, and and as that, we have a responsibility towards one another, and we have a very special family type of love, I might add. When I was a boy, uh, my older sister, who was a year older than than I, uh, we used to ride the bus to school together, and uh, like brothers and sisters, many uh, we, we fought, we gave each other a hard time, and so on. But, like many brothers and sisters here and families here, when things got difficult, uh, we would support each other. Because we're family, right? Right. So, one day we're on the bus, and there was an older boy, uh, much bigger than me, I mean much bigger than myself, and he was picking on me, and then he was laughing at me, and he just kept kind of poking at me. And finally, my sister said, enough, stop, which caused him to laugh at her and to continue poking at me. Well, finally, my sister uh, decided to grab his gloves and throw them out the bus window, (laughs) which put a stop to the whole thing. That ended it right there. So I'm not saying here that what she did was the best response necessarily, but I want to illustrate that we have a special relationship as brothers and sisters in Christ, Um, that we as brothers and sisters care for each other, and if needed, we do stand up for each other or stand by each other. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a responsibility to each other, to do things like love one another and encourage one another and to pray for one another. So this morning I want to uh, focus on one that we don't talk about a lot, which is to honor one another. And I'm going to be all over in the Bible, but if you're looking for a central text this morning, it would have to be Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, which says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. Now, some of you this week uh, saw the story of Drew Brees, uh, the New Orleans quarterback. I think it was Monday night, set a record for the most passing yards ever. And uh, Drew Brees is definitely a very talented guy. Um, But the reason that I like him besides the fact that he's a Christian, is that throughout his career, I've seen that he hasn't wanted all of the glory to go to himself. I've seen him at times doing his best to make his teammates look good or to give credit and honor to others around him. And many of you, I know we've got a lot of football fans here, probably have seen that moment where Breeze broke the record, and that's a very special moment. But Most of you have seen it, so we won't watch that this morning. But I want to show you more of a behind-the-scenes type of honor given to him. And and I think it's because he consistently has tried to honor his teammates. Um, This past spring, uh, an offensive lineman for the Saints, Zach Streif, 
who blocked Febreze for eight years, which in, in the NFL is a long time, um, he announced his retirement. And in his press conference announcing his retirement, he wanted to honor Drew. And so I want to, I want to watch that. It's really short. Watch him honoring Drew and why he does that. For the past eight years, I've played in front of the most prolific passer in NFL history. Drew Brees has been the single greatest motivation for me as a player. Every day I would walk into the building and pass Drew watching film. Every Thursday I would send him pictures of the menu so we could order his dinner since his workday ended four hours after ours. You've made countless sacrifices for your teammates, spent countless hours with us instead of your family. My greatest drive as a player was not to let you down. You're the greatest leader I've ever been around. And I admire you so much as a player, but more as a person. There's nothing like seeing a 300-pound man just cry like that. But uh, that's how we are to honor one another. Uh, As Christians, we're called to do that. And the Bible tells us that as Christians, we should work at making other believers look good. That, That each of us should rejoice when others achieve great things, when they're honored, when they're successful. And so... Let's biblically look at this idea of honoring one another. And I want to start with what we are not to do. You know, because I, I think we start there because we know that we should rejoice with one another. We should uh, be glad when others are honored. And yet our own sinful nature causes us in reality to be far more concerned about getting honor for ourselves or advancing our own reputation. And I think that's why Paul says to us in Philippians 2.3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And Romans 12.3 says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And so if you're taking notes this morning, and there's notes in the bulletin under what we are not to do, the first point is think of yourself more highly than you ought. That's what we're not to do. And and I believe the Bible says this to us because our tendency is just the opposite. We think much of ourselves. We think little of each other. We don't always rejoice when others are recognized or honored. And and I think we do that because we feel like somehow that detracts from our own reputation. So instead, we can easily become envious or jealous. I think one of the best examples of that in the Bible is King Saul. And if you remember how Goliath is coming out against God's people to challenge them, and no one answers the challenge until this little shepherd boy named David takes the challenge, and he ends up killing him with a a stone and and a sling. And, And after that, King Saul puts honor upon honor upon David until one day his attitude is changed because Saul hears women who are singing the praises of this young boy. They say, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And what was Saul's response to that? First Samuel says, Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They've credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. 
Saul couldn't stand the thought of someone else getting the praise or being under the spotlight. He was filled with envy. And so the second point under what we are not to do is to be envious or jealous. And it may be easy for us to look at Saul and say, what a fool. But you know what? To be honest, you and I, we can become envious over so many different kinds of things. Could be possessions, accomplishments, talents, fame, achievement, recognition. Maybe we envy someone's house or their furniture or their clothes or their income, their parents, their farms, anything. Anything we can become jealous or envious over. And it even affects pastors. Um, A few years ago, uh, Christian Leadership Magazine interviewed a bunch of pastors who happened to have a mega church close by. And the pastors were in small churches, maybe 50 to 60 people, and the mega church had 2,000 plus. And, and as they interviewed these pastors, it was obvious that they were, had become envious of the pastor and the pastors of the mega church because they seemed to receive all the credit and the publicity and so forth. And so not even pastors are exempt from King Saul's kind of envy. But we know it's not healthy, and the Bible tells us, no, avoid it, put it away. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 5.26, for instance, says, let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. As I said earlier, as Christians, we want to make other believers look good. We should rejoice when others achieve, when they're honored, when they're successful. And yet our sinful nature gets in the way of that. And, and many of us tend to criticize or run down those who dare to be in the spotlight or who are recognized. One of the best examples of that, I believe, in the Bible is Aaron and Miriam. If you know that story, the brother and the sister of Moses. They didn't like it when Moses was the one who got to pass God's instructions to the people. They didn't like it that Moses was the one who made the decisions. They didn't like it when he received honor and glory while they remained in the background. And so Numbers tells us they began to speak against Moses. Numbers 12.2, Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? They asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? My friends, I want to beg you this morning not to criticize or put down others. It's so easy, and I've done it myself because it's so easy to do. But please, don't do that. Um, And and especially for your leaders. Uh, We're especially easy targets. Please, don't, don't criticize us, but encourage us. Help us to do it better. Tell us things that encourage us to do and to be better leaders. And then we know that the the outcome for Aaron Aaron and Miriam uh, was not good. Uh, Numbers 12.9 says, The anger of the Lord burned against them. And we know Miriam was inflicted with leprosy. Um, Similarly, the Lord becomes angry when we criticize and complain instead of honoring and building up and encourage. So you might be wondering, but, but who do we honor? You know, Pastor Mark, are you saying this because it's Pastor Appreciation Month and you just want to be... No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm saying this because this is what we all do for each other. But who do we honor? And in the Bible, there are several people it tells us to honor. Uh, 
Paul says in Romans 13, 7, Give everyone what you owe him. If honor, then honor. So whom must we honor? Well, you've probably already guessed uh, the first and foremost is to honor God. Because he's worthy of the highest of praise. Because he deserves all honor. So listen to what the angels of heaven say and they sing in Revelation 5.12. They say, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and praise and glory. Again and again, the psalmist writes, Praise the Lord. Giving praise means bringing honor. And so for you and I, by our worship by our gifts by our witness in our life we bring honor to god second we honor those who are over us and this is all over the bible let me give you just a few examples as citizens first peter says we are to honor their rulers as children we honor their parents exodus 20:12 believers their elders and pastors first thessalonians 5 and so all those who are over us, and, and uh, so again, you might say, well, Pastor Mark, that's easy for you to say because you're over everybody. No, I'm a man under authority. I have authority over me, and I have uh, God ultimately as authority. And so all of us need to respect and honor uh, folks who are over us, honor one another. Okay, so thirdly, uh, according to our text, Romans 10 We need to honor not just God and those who are over us, but to honor one another as well. And I think we can learn a lot from even our culture in this. Um, Our culture honors people for special accomplishments. You know, colleges, for example, have honor convocations for students who have achieved 3.5 grade point average. Outstanding school athletes are honored at awards banquets. The Olympics gives gold and silver and bronze medals. The government presents a medal of honor to soldiers who displayed an unusual bravery on the battlefield. Even department stores and fast food restaurants honor their employee of the month. Um, Our nation honors veterans on Veterans Day. We honor our parents on Mother's Day and Father's Day. And so that's how it should be in the church as well, that we're quick to honor one another. In fact, we take delight in honoring one another. We should be eager to find reasons for honoring others because of the gifts that God has given to them. So let's move ahead to some uh, application. What does that look like for you and I in our lives? How do we show honor? Well, I believe primarily by praising or complimenting others for their efforts or their achievements. And This can take a number of forms. This can be very personal uh, in relationships, face-to-face. We can compliment them. We can go out of our way to thank and praise them. Or maybe we're more of an introverted person and we like to write notes. I mean, you could be a person in this body who writes notes every week. You come to worship and you look for someone who needs encouragement or you want to encourage someone who participated in worship, for example. You could do that privately by writing a note. Um, so it can, be a, it can take a number of forms. But just looking to see how we can build each other up, um, not in false ways, but in authentic, genuine ways to say, I appreciate you. I appreciate your gift. 
Um, Jesus, we see, did this with the Roman uh, centurion. You remember that story. There was this Roman centurion who comes because he wants his servant to be healed. And he knows that Jesus does not have to come to his home to do that. Instead, he tells Jesus, just say the word and my servant will be healed. And then Jesus turns to his followers and he pays the centurion probably one of the greatest compliments found in the New Testament. He says in Matthew 8.10, I tell you the truth, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. So he honors the centurion for his faith. faith. And he does that face to face, but he also does that in front of other people. We can do the same. We also can honor people by associating with them or just simply by spending time with one another. Romans twelve sixteen, Paul writes, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So I think it's important for us, uh, in contrast to the world, to be totally different in this regard. Because the world will honor the rich, or the successful, or the famous, or the beautiful. But James, in chapter 2, warns us very strongly against this kind of discrimination. He tells us to affirm the worth of every member, regardless of social standing. And so those in the church who are of low position by society standards are to be honored. And so associating with them and regarding them uh, as our privilege. So that's our privilege. Um, to spend time with those who are of low position. And again, we look to Jesus. What did He do? Well, He showed honor to those of low position. Yes, He did eat fancy dinners at the home of the rich, but He also associated with tax collectors and sinners. And He wasn't ashamed to be associated with the Samaritan woman, for example. He allowed a prostitute to anoint his feet with perfume and then to dry them with her hair. He honored these people with his presence and their company. So how do we show honor? Well, we're indeed called to honor one another, so we can do that by complimenting one another, by spending time together. But now comes the hard part, which is why I saved this for last. Um, to honor one another above yourselves or ourselves. That doesn't come easy. So I'd like you to, to kind of give yourself the following reaction test. If you are an elder here, or you're a God's Kids Club teacher, or you're a worship facilitator, How do you feel when someone speaks about another elder or God's kids club teacher or worship leader? They speak highly of someone else. What if they called that person the best elder or the best God's kids club teacher or the best worship facilitator this church has ever had? Would you be envious or would you be glad? If you're on a committee or a team here, um, you know, the pastor seems to mention every other team or ministry except yours. How do you feel about that? 
Do you go to him and demand equal air time? <laughs> That's fine. But, but just notice your reaction to some of these things. And then we're, we're nominating elders and deacons. What if you are not nominated as an elder or deacon? Do you complain that you've been overlooked? Or are you thankful that someone else's gifts or their wisdom are being recognized? Or are you just thankful that you don't have to do it? That could be the case too. But my point is that it's not easy to honor others above yourselves. Probably the best biblical example of someone who does this is John the Baptist. And he's kind of a first century Billy Graham. And people flock to hear him preach and to be baptized by him. But then Jesus begins to preach. And then many of John's followers leave John to follow Jesus. And John's disciples become upset by this. And so they want John to do something about it. But instead of being jealous or mad, John is genuinely glad that people are turning to Jesus. And he says in John 3.30, He must become greater. I must become less. John the Baptist honored Jesus above himself. So let's come back to Romans 12.10 as we close this message. Honor one another above yourselves. Do you think that that's difficult? Yeah. In fact, in our own strength, we can't do it. It's just not in us. We don't naturally think of others first. It's very difficult. Um, But that's because we're sinful human beings. But as we bring our sinfulness to Jesus... And we say, Lord, forgive us for our sins. Work in us by your Spirit. He begins to change us. And so this morning, uh, if you're not sure if you're a Christian, if you've never accepted Jesus or asked Him to forgive you for your sins, I want to urge you to do that. Because you can't do what we're talking about this morning without His Spirit. But it starts with you and I realizing that we need God. We need Jesus and inviting Him into our lives, and inviting His Spirit to work in us and bring His power. And when we do that, we can deny ourselves and honor others when His Spirit begins to work in us. So honor one another above yourselves. This is really a measure of our spiritual maturity. It really measures the depth of our conformity to Christ. And so I want to take a look at some steps we take in maturing. Some steps in allowing God's ways in us and in how we're becoming more and more like Christ. I'm going to call these steps of maturity. First of all, in our natural self, you want the spotlight for yourself. Second, you're willing to to share that spotlight with someone else. Thirdly, you delight when others are in the spotlight instead of you. And fourth, your aim or goal becomes for others to be in that spotlight. There's kind of a progression there of maturity. And so to ask yourself, what steps am I on? And I'm not talking about being in front or talking about others because many of you would say, well, I don't want to be in front. I don't want to be, you know... 
are talking about who gets the credit, who gets the honor. Do you want it for yourself, or can you give it to others? Where are you at? None of us is perfect. We all struggle with this. None of us have it mastered. But I wanted to illustrate it in a tangible way uh, to show that we're moving towards something in maturity. So do you want the spotlight for yourself, or are you willing to share it? Do you delight when others are in the spotlight instead of you? And is it your goal to have others honored? That would be the mark of maturity. That would be the mark of becoming like Christ. And Jesus wants us to be mature. He wants us to take His message, to receive it, and then to take that His love and His message to the world. He wants us to honor one another above ourselves.